Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. Uh, we are going to be talking about A Ruin of Roses by K.F. Breen today. So it is an after dark episode. There will likely be cursing and there will definitely be discussions about sex. So monitor yourselves accordingly. Today, I'm going to be doing our characters and Marissa will do the plot. So we have Finley. She is our main female lead. She's trying to find a cure for the sickness that's been spreading throughout the kingdom. There was a curse put in place by a demon king. She has several siblings, an older brother, Hannon, a younger sister, Sable, and a younger brother, Dash. We have Nefane. He is our main male lead. He is royalty and a dragon shifter. He's the last person in the kingdom to be able to shift. When the curse was placed on the kingdom, it also restricted everyone's ability to shift. He forced to shift. Uh, however, it cost him his wings. He patrols the forbidden forest for evil creatures to try and protect the villages. He is, of course, broody and attractive, and he is covered in scars that he tries to hide with tattoos. We have Hadriel. He's a butler at the palace. He is purposely bad at his job so that he's not killed by demons. He provides the comic relief in this book. He's described as being in his mid-twenties, tanned with a thin mustache. We have Leela. She is Finley's lady's maid while she's at the palace. She's described as being in her late 20s with blonde hair and blue eyes. Finally, we have Jedrick. He's the village jerk. He wants to marry Finley because they're the two most attractive people in the village. For our location, we spend most of our time in either Finley's village or the palace. So Finley's village is a poor village, um, but everyone there works together to try and help each other out, especially when it comes to the sickness. They're also, they're located on the edge of the Forbidden Forest, which houses all sorts of demons. Then we have the palace. Um, it has large grounds, lots of gardens. The curse has affected this um, place differently. Uh, the people there cannot age and every night demons come and they fill the place with lust magic. So everyone has a bunch of raunchy sex. It sounds kind of great, but the people are often ashamed in the mornings. All right, Marissa, would you like to pick up with our plot? Sure. So 16 years ago, the king made a really bad deal with the demon king, and that resulted in a curse upon the kingdom and the six regions around it. And the curse prevents the residents who are shifters from being able to access their inner animals and subjects older residents to an illness, illness that slowly kills them. And so our story begins with our heroine, Finley, caring for her ailing father, who's dying as a result of the curse from the demon king. And the only thing that has managed to keep the illness at bay is a medicine that Finley has created using the Everlast plant that can only be found in the Forbidden Wood, which is home to a lot of nasty monsters and a monstrous beast. Collecting the leaves is dangerous, but Finley, when given the choice between letting her father die or being brave and entering the wood, chooses to enter the wood. And so... Something strange happens while she's collecting leaves this time. She gets super aroused and she's baffled because there are incubus demons in the village who might inspire these feelings, but Finley takes a potion that wards against these demons. So they shouldn't be inspiring these lustful feelings for her. The feelings that she's having now are different. However, she's able to successfully obtain the leaves but drops her pocket knife in the woods when she has a run-in with a monster and then the beast who takes out the monster that's after Finley. She makes it home and her father is saved for now. She goes to the village the next day to shop for her family and has a run-in with Jedrick, who is a bag of dicks, and has decided that he and Finley will be married because they're both the prettiest people in town. Finley publicly rejects him, but obviously this isn't the end of her run-ins with Jedrick. That night, Finley and her family are awoken by the beast. It has come to collect her, and Finley chooses to go with it rather than endanger her family. So she sprints off into the forbidden wood to draw it away from her family, and it catches up with her, obviously. But she is surprised 
when the beast transforms into a young, beautiful, broody man covered in scars and tattoos, whose name is Nefain. He declares that she is his prisoner for having stolen the Everlast leaves and for trespassing into the woods. He turns back into the beast, snatches her between his teeth, and carries her to his castle, which is currently home to any remaining subjects and a host of incubus and succubus demons who turn the castle grounds into an orgy every night. Nefane locks Finley in a tower in the castle and tasks Hadriel, his butler, and Leela, a lady's maid with caring for Finley. Hadriel is a hot mess, uh, but he's hilarious and he encourages Finley to seek to be mediocre to avoid notice of any demons because when you show any aptitude for anything, you're probably going to end up dead. So the next day, Nefane demands that Finley picnic with him. And so Hadriel and Leela ready her for a picnic and lead her down, lead her down to the gardens where she finds Nefane amidst a crop of Everlast plants. Finley's ability to work with the plants to create healing and warding potions make her anything but mediocre. And that coupled with the near disabling arousal that she feels when she's around Nefane who exudes big alpha energy, are part of her inner animal. And so because of Finley's age, when the curse took hold, Finley has never been able to shift or to access her animal until right now. Being close to Nefane allows her to communicate with her inner animal as well as use some of its gift. And one of those gifts is being able to heal. And so Nefane and Finley make arrangements to harvest the Everlast leaves that night as he would like to know how to create the potion that holds the curse's sickness at bay. But Nefane's inner animal is very attracted to Finley, and that disabling arousal that she felt in the woods before, yeah, that's in response to Nefane's beast. Um, but Nefane doesn't know what to do with his feelings, and so he gets pissed at Finley for being attracted to her and stalks off. After Finley picnics with Hadriel and Leela, because Nefane bailed, uh, Hadriel helps Finley try to find a hobby. So the Demon King has put a magical gag order on all of the residents of the castle to keep them from revealing too much about the curse. Violating the gag order results in death by suffocation. So while they're trying to find Finley a hobby, Hadriel accidentally overshares and starts to suffocate. And so Finley is able to connect with her inner animal and they run super fast into the forest carrying Hadriel with her animal guiding her towards Nefane. And together, she and Nefane are able to heal Hadriel. Later that night, Finley has a sexy dream about Nefane, but it's tainted with bad feelings and Finley wakes up to an incubus demon outside her door trying to infiltrate her room. Nefane turns up, kills it, and they make their way down to the gardens, but on the way, they're intercepted by another demon who tries to entice Finley. Finley resists, but it seems that she's caught the demon's attention, which is a bad thing. And so since the start of the curse, Nefane has been abstinent and continued to fight against the demon king's minions. But now that he's shown an interest in Finley, the demons can see her as an opportunity to get even further under Nefane's skin. Nefane and Finley gather the leaves of the Everlast plant successfully, and on their way back to the castle, Nefane catches the demon's scent, and so he leads Finley into a wooded area in the castle grounds and tells Finley his plan. The demons ruin everything, and if they know Nefane values Finley, they'll kill her or tell the demon king about her, which is bad, and so he's going to act like he's seducing her, and she needs to act like she's not into it. And is resisting. So they'll think that she's actually a torment to Nefane. And she hates him. However, Finley is super attracted to Nefane. And has a real hard time acting like she's not. And so right as she's about to climax, they're interrupted by the demons. Which is super disappointing. The next day, Finley has been given permission to care for her own garden. So she selects one that she can see from her tower window which happens to be the former queen's personal garden. Hadriel strongly discourages Finley from hopping into this garden, which is walled off and only accessible by a secret entrance. But Finley is undaunted. 
she enters the garden and then the former queen's suite, which is accessible through the garden. And there she finds a magical decaying rose bush. And in walks Nefane, who is super pissed that she's in his mom's rooms. Because Nefane is actually the prince of this kingdom. And he's got so much baggage, a team of horses wouldn't be able to carry it. And so Nefane and Finley have words. Finley is pissed and hurt. So she packs her stuff up and leaves. And she's pretty clever. So she can figure out how to get home. But she gets lost on the way back. And so it takes her way longer. And night falls in the Forbidden Woods when she's finally getting to a familiar area. And at that moment, she's attacked by monsters. And she's able to defend herself with a dinky little pocket knife for a while. But she is hopelessly outnumbered. And so when things seem dire and this horrible monster is about to kill her, Nefane jumps in front of her in his human form and gets injured. But he's able to shift into his beast form and destroy the rest of the monsters. But the wound that he sustained is poisoned and he is already dying a very painful and rapid death. And so Finley commands him to walk with her to her home in the village but she's unsure what to do about the poison. So will Finley be able to save Nefane? Spoilers abound. So this was your first read, right? It was. This was not your first read. Was this your second, third? <laughs> it was my second read. Although I had before um, skimmed it again to remind myself what happened um, when... Um, Throne of Ruin came out. So I don't know, like two and a half, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. So what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. Um, first of all, let's talk about the cover on this book. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's, it's eye-catching. Very visually appealing. It is. It's eye-catching. It draws you in. It looks mysterious. We've got this like I don't know, bright red rose with a dark background and maybe some eucalyptus looking leaves behind it and thorns. And then it's kind of got this like pixely looking thing that almost reminds me of like the snap from the Avengers movies. So mm, it entices you. Uh, I really enjoyed this on my first read. I read it all in a day. I think I started it one evening and then just or no I started it last Sunday afternoon maybe and just read it all so it's a pretty quick read but I loved it I'm so glad we're covering it me too this is different from KF Breen's other books that I've read super different yeah way yeah. more sex <laughs> yes uh, much more adult <laughs> yeah way more um still funny though her other books that I've read, I, I forget what they're called. They're um, Demon Days, right? Yeah, yes, those. Um, and they're funny. Like this book was really funny too. She writes good comedy in her books. Um, but this was very different from that story, which I enjoyed. I like the other one, the other series too. I, I think this is, has to be my favorite of what she's written. And I've read, um, so I read the Demon Day, I think it's Demon Day's Vampire Nights or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I read that and then I read Magical Midlife um, Crisis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I like, um, this is my favorite. Yeah. But it's she really has, good. yeah, she has this whole um, Sin and Chocolate one too that she does. Oh, yeah. I think it's set more in like, um, like a, I think it's more of a paranormal versus fantasy, but okay, uh, not sure. So, I haven't read that. But yeah, I liked it. So good. She's got a nice little. Uh, what do, I don't know if we would call this like a warning. Oh like yeah, part of the book. Yeah, at the very start. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of a warning. Uh, she mentions pearl clutching. I love that because that also shows up a bunch throughout the book. Yes, grab them pearls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to get an unexpected dong slap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. 
I mean, that's, that's really good. I, don't, I feel like the only other author that I've read that gives you like a warning before the story is Amelia Hutchins. And those are, I, that, those are good warnings. Yeah. I, it's a good thing. She puts those warnings in. Yeah. I've read other books that have like trigger warnings and stuff um, in them. Oh yeah. You're right. I have read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like usually when they do that, it's, I don't know. It just, this seemed different to me, but I like this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I feel like this isn't really a trigger warning. This is just a heads up sort of thing. Yeah. I've seen it be dick. Yeah. I've seen reverse harem authors do that. Let's talk about our heroine. Yes. I I love love her. her. She's great. Yes, she is. She's so smart she's feisty I so one of my favorite things about her is that so Nefane he's this broody like hot and cold kind of dude right and she doesn't let it affect her too much you know there are definitely moments where what he says hurts her Mm -hmm. but for the most part she's just this again right Mm -hmm. you know and which I enjoy because I feel like I've read so many books where that happens and then the female lead just kind of laments on it yeah. and they're so hurt and like I hurt for that character but in this um she's much more I don't want to say relaxed about it she's not like no, the other girls but <laughs> I think she's just very secure in who she is yes and I think that she I think that she is able to see Nefane for what he is to you, especially because he keeps telling her like, I will ruin you. I don't, you don't want to choose me. This is a bad idea. I think that she is very just secure in who she is as a person. She's very aware of what her her goals are. And I Mm -hmm. think part of it's also going to be that she's had to put up with shit for men for her whole life. Yeah. So because that's how the people in the village, they kind of treat her that way too not not like hot and cold broody like that it's just that she's been judged for pretty much her whole life because of how she acts she wears pants oh my gosh god forbid wearing pants but she wears pants and she hunts and she like gathers the food for her family she takes on what would for this village be the stereotypically male roles and so because of that the people in the village have been pretty judgmental of her for her whole life And so I think that she's, I don't know, either developed like this thickened skin Mm -hmm. against people being shitty to her or has just adapted, which isn't, I mean, she's developed these, these strategies for, I guess, protecting herself or she just doesn't care what other people think because she's secure in who she is and what she wants to accomplish. Yes, I agree. I I had my experience about so that interaction that she has with Jedrick, right? Where he comes up with her and is like, oh yes, you're going to be my wife one day. And I love what she says. So she says, who has two fingers, a thumb and nightly orgasms? This girl. I wouldn't want to give that up for a boring ride on your tiny dick. Go pedal your shit somewhere else. This pail is full to the brim. Yeah. I love that. But I was also like, oh no, he's going to hurt you. <laughs> Same. I was so worried for her. Mm-hmm. So at first she, she tries to play this response, like this interaction with it, action with him, like pretty low key. He confronts her in the village and she's like, all right, just lay low. Just don't, you know, just kind of ignore and go with the flow and don't be confrontational until so he's, he tells her like, you're going to marry me. And she's like, I'll have to think on it. And then he grabs her arm and whips her around. And he's like, no, you're going to marry me. And then she says that. And I was like, okay, that reminded me so much of some of the interactions that you have. I feel like women have interactions like this with men kind of right. Oh yeah. Because there, there are these situations where, uh, women are forced into uncomfortable situations with men and so they kind of like try to go along with it and just flee Mm -hmm. because there's that fear of having a confrontation if things don't go well because 
fragile masculinity is rampant. Um, and so I feel like this is kind of a relatable situation for a lot of women where they're put in an uncomfortable situation with a man and they try to go along with it until there's not an option to not go along with it. Right. Which is what we see happen with Finley in this situation. And that's when she says, who has two fingers, a thumb and nightly orgasms. Um, and then she, she runs away, but even at that point, you're aware, like, this is not the end of this situation because fragile masculinity. Yeah. Makes me worried for her. I like with, so hold on before we move on from Jedrick, can I just say Jedrick, there has never been a more perfect name for the village douchebag than Jedrick. (laughs) I read that name and was immediately like, ugh, Jedrick. It's the perfect name. It is. It's like a Chad. Mm -hmm. Okay, Chad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Great. Yeah, it was good. So back to Finley. Mm -hmm. I loved her bravery, like reckless, reckless bravery. And I love how she copes with fear. She does her own like inner monologue, like she's talking to a secret audience or something. Yeah. It's so funny, especially when she connects with her inner animal and she starts it doing the inner monologue thing like, okay, folks, let's lay low and be real quiet now. And her animal is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yes, I, that made me laugh too. It was great. Um, <coughs> sorry. We're sick, you guys. <laughs> it's that season. It's that time of year. It is allergy season. The evergreens are releasing pollen or something, <laughs> and I'm allergic to it. Um, so, right. Oh, so Finley, like, talking to herself. I... I love that. I love that she creates that whole um, like kind of space for herself mentally because to dissociate sort of from what's going on. Yeah. Which is smart. It Um, is because she gets in some situations that I would not be brave enough to handle. Yeah. This is a good cope. Mm, I mean, it's a good coping mechanism for her. I don't know if it's necessarily a good coping mechanism in general. Yeah. To dissociate and like pretend that you are Uh, in front of an audience but if it works if it works if it allows you to fall out of a tree and stab something in the neck I mean you do you boo yeah yeah um I like her interactions with her family I really liked reading about her interactions with her family yes I loved her family I'm a big Hannah Hannon right that's what I'm saying yeah yeah I'm a big Hannon fan. I think it's interesting that he's taken on these traditionally, like how she took on these typical, like masculine role. He's taken on this typical um, female role, I guess. You know, he does the cooking, he mends things, all of this. And people in town don't look down on him for it. If anything, he's popular with the ladies. Yeah. Mm. Yes. But with the dudes, they're all like, oh no, Finley needs to stop wearing pants. Mm-hmm. That makes me so mad. Let women wear yeah. pants. But I really liked Hannah, especially because she mentions like that he, um, you know, so many of the men, I guess, in the village will go out and just find women to sleep with or go to the, they call them salons, I think, or something. Yeah. Like bars, basically. Um to find lust demons like incubus and succubi to sleep with and he doesn't and she mentions like he doesn't seem to have a problem when he wants to but he just doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like into it their parents did something right raising them yeah i think yeah nothing wrong if you want to go and have like a bunch of sex sex. yeah i mean no no judgment no judgment um but in terms of he seems respectful of women yes agree that was my point (laughs) yeah 
I like the the sort of gender role reversal that we see with them, like you mentioned. Um, Finley has taken on the hunter gatherer role. She's the one that gets the she she hunts for the boars, she gathers the everlast plants, she takes on the jobs that are typically more dangerous, which a lot of times we associate being with more of a masculine role. And he he sort of stays home and he minds the children and cares for their father and he has on more of a, I mean, he does take on more of a nursing role, I guess, with their father too. So Finley provides the, the medicine and he cares for their dad. I feel like they have done a really good job making the best of a terrible situation. Their mother died, their grandmother's dead, their father's dying, and they are doing a good job of caring for their two younger siblings and each other. Yeah, and they don't seem resentful of it either. Yeah. So a lot of times I feel like we hear about, um, you know, like the older siblings having to take care of the younger siblings and how they really resent it and stuff in books, but they seem to just kind of go with it. Yeah. You know, Um, which I think is good, especially for this book. It works. And it's not a burden. They don't see it as a burden because that's something that she mentions about Jedrick, how he's got a nice house and he has more money and all of that stuff. And that's part of what makes him appealing. But also his parents are dead and he wouldn't have put in the effort to keep them alive. It's, I can't say that it ruins something for the next book. Okay. (sighs) Alas. Um. So I, I really enjoyed their familial interactions. And I love how accepting Hannon is of uh, Finley at the end when she turns back up with this random guy who's dying and is like, I need you to do this, this, and this. And Hannon's like, got it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. He just like, they have a really good sibling relationship they trust each other they support each other it's nice to read about sibling relationships like that and just thinking about like nesta and Vera and Sarah yeah Nassau, where that, that that sort of relation like nesta anything that she does it's with a grudge and that's what i was thinking too and i'm thinking about other yeah. book siblings i always go back to them yeah so I really enjoyed reading about them. Yeah, they have a healthy family dynamic. Seems, they do. Which is refreshing. Um, I also really like that Finley just like, if there's a need for something, if it if something needs to be done, Finley just does it. Like that with her, she's, I mean, a genius, basically. She experiments and experiments with, the everlast plant to figure out the potion to help people through her own ingenuity in looking in books and doing experiments and different things like that she is able to figure out and we find out later that some of that is helped by her gift that she has but she's able to figure out a lot of that by herself just through trial and error i mean that's genius She's very clever. She is. Yeah. Um, all that tra- it must have taken her so long mm-hmm. like, to think of all of this stuff. And she's, so she mentions that because her village is poor and stuff like that, that they don't have a ton of reading material. But what she has managed to read, she's really um, adapted, mm-hmm. which is great. And I also, like that she just shares her knowledge with people yes she's not hoarding Mm -hmm. she could have monetized that she could have charged people yep she could have been a greedy capitalist but instead (laughs) (laughs) she chose this route and shared it with everybody because she just wants the best for everyone and her town reflects that too other people in her town so you know they're not great obviously they look down on her for several reasons, but they help each other out. Yeah. Which is good. You don't always see that. All right. So Finley's awesome. 
Um, she gets caught by the beast, whom we later discover is Nefane, the prince of this kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like Nefane is everything that I enjoy in a <laughs> in a male leader or a male uh uh the hero in our stories. Broody got some baggage a little emotionally stunted wants to be loved but doesn't feel deserving (laughs) all he's missing is silver hair and wings (laughs) and (laughs) oof if he had wings oh that's so sad though because his wings get cut off they did did. which adds to the brood Mm -hmm. (laughs) who would want a scarred wingless beast I love when he says that she's like no you're just using that as an excuse because who would really want you for you yes she called called him out yes I love it I do too I mean he's 100% doing it to protect himself he's been hurt and he feels unworthy because the whole reason this curse exists is because of his stupid father who is upset because his son wanted to live his own life controlling fathers controlling i mean his father apparently had some issues with madness so maybe some factors that he couldn't control in there but still cut the cord man so nifane i mean really just just everything i love in a broody male i think it's hysterical in their first interaction where he's a human he grabs her and she stabs him in the chest yes that's right (laughs) With a pocket knife. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, it only goes in so far because, you know, it's a small knife. Yeah. Just add to the scars. Yep. What's one more? I think it's interesting at that point because he's like, you could have succeeded in killing me where nobody else has been able to for the last 16 years. So poor Nefane. He drags her back to his castle, drags her through an orgy, which is just grand. And we meet Hadriel, who I love so much. Yes, he cracks me up. He is <laughs> spectacular comic relief. Mm-hmm. There's the ones. Oh, wait, is that this book or the next book? Shit. Is it this book where he's dressed up like in a purple thing? dragon? She, yeah. Yeah. So she, the first time she meets him, he's dressed up in a purple dragon suit, obviously mocking Nefane. Yes. At an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on and on and on about how shameful he feels in these orgies, but he can't stop. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Poor guy. I, he's mm-hmm. just, he is hysterical. He is a hot mess, but I loved his scenes. He was one of my favorite characters. Yes. Yeah, it seemed like he had no filter. No. I really liked his interactions with Leah too, because they have this like love hate. I don't even know if love, they just, that wasn't really given. I see it as like a love. Yeah, very yeah. snappy relationship. And he says, um, Leela, honey, eat glass. And her response is, walk off a cliff. She s- responded pleasantly. Yeah. And I love that. Like these little interactions that they have. And he's just great. He is. I love how his whole like theme, his whole motto is be mediocre. Don't try yes. to be more than you are. Be less than you can be. Don't draw attention to yourself. It's so fun because you're going to end up dead if you mm-hmm. act like more. Um, and he- he talks about applying for the job as a butler. He's like, I'm not even qualified for this, but I knew I wouldn't be good at it. So, <laughs> right. That's what I was, was going to say. Because I think the last two butlers before him got like pushed off cliff or killed. Uh-huh. Right. I don't know why I went with cliff probably because I just read the word cliff. Um, yeah. So he applied for it because he was really like a stable hand or something. Yeah. Right. Then he applied for the butler job. 
it's just like I'm bad and then he keeps bringing it up too and he's like this isn't really my job I don't really know how to do this yeah Mm -hmm. yeah he's just he's great um I don't just I just love his interactions they are my favorite he um yeah I don't know I just love him he's so fun I love when he's trying to help her find a hobby too. That whole scene was hysterical. Yes. He keeps suggesting things. And then he says at one point he was trying to paint um, a penis. Mm-hmm. And the art teacher thought that it was um, flowers. Yeah. <laughs> and so he kept doing it. Yes. And he endured yeah. a bouquet of penises. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped going to the embroidery classes because... He couldn't embroider a penis. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. He is so snarky. He, one of my favorite, intera- like one of the funniest things that I read was when he was talking about this guy, Leron. It's, I mean, it's just a random thing as he's taking her down to this picnic. But um, he says to, uh, he says to Finley, that guy fucks up every single threesome you try to get started. He literally <laughs> does not know where to put his dick. He just walks around parties with his cock in his hand. <laughs> and it's just such the imagery with that, though, because I can visualize that in my head. Which yeah. is really not the best image. <laughs> yeah, I it's know. just like, I mean... They've just, because of the demons and the magic, these people have lost their ability to filter. So they say things joyfully, but they're awful things that they're saying. It's spectacular. I, so something that I really like about Finley's interactions with Nefane are that she is very, like, they're very attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. They are very attracted. She has this wash of arousal when she is around him and it is nearly irresistible like she is suffering to the point of pain to try to resist this pull towards him and he puts all of the responsibility on resisting him on her which i feel like is a classic man move yes and she's attracted to me that's your fault and he gets pissed at her when he and he's like i mean it's like big dick energy with him it's big alpha energy like it's hard to resist stuff like that because he is the alpha and he should be responsible for reigning in his urges too and she's like why am the why am i the one told to control my animal animal where is your <coughs> accountability in all of this i'm like yes girl you are so right i highlighted a quote too um, he clearly blamed me for his lack of control. Wasn't that always how it went for a woman? Yup. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you shouldn't have been wearing that short skirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if you didn't want me to be attracted to you, you shouldn't have looked in my direction mm-hmm. or existed even or walked down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh curled your hair smiled at me yeah even though i was telling you 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 look prettier if you smiled yeah yeah Yeah, for real there there you go yeah so just i just saw some real world crossover there and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. it is not your responsibility alone you are both in this he should be accountable too and you tell him about it she did and i liked that I, I appreciate that about her. Yeah. So I liked Nefane, but there were times when I wanted to just throw a punch in. Yeah. It's, it's that whole, cause he hates how he's feeling. So he wants her to hate how she's feeling. Can we talk about his Mr. Darcy moment? yeah let's do it (laughs) oh gosh okay let me find it where so what I love is that in our notes you have this Mr. Darcy moment in here and literally in my notes in my kindle he's making this speech and I'm like okay Mr. Darcy (laughs) 
<laughs> I had the exact same thoughts. <laughs> it's just so, so on brand for Darcy. So Nathan is saying this about his dragon. He says, he doesn't care that you're lowborn, for example, that your family doesn't have a pot to piss in and your village is poor and mostly useless. He doesn't care that a noble of my standing would never lower himself with a woman like you. Like, I think that inspiration, I think they're really inspired by Mr. Darcy. I mean, that is almost a parallel to his speech in the short, the two, uh, the 2000s version of the Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. movie with Kara Knightley. Like, <laughs> You're standing, you're rank, you're like, whatever. <laughs> I like you against my better judgment. Like, okay. <laughs> it's basically the same speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was spectacular. Yeah. So broody. Such a dick. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I read that section and I like laughed out loud. It was, it was just like Mr. Darcy. Mm -hmm. I felt bad. Like, I feel like that's one of the moments he like actually hurt, uh, Finley. Yeah. But she got over it pretty quickly because she's like, why, why would I care? He's, you know, yeah. I know I'm awesome. And that's the thing. She's awesome. She's able to create these potions that he's incapable of making through just figuring it out on her own like she's super smart and amazing and he's still like oh I shouldn't be attracted to you because of how you were born and your low standing it's like does it matter because she can do shit that you can't Mm -hmm. I don't know if sometimes he thinks she's stupid but there's that one scene where he tells her that he needs to pretend that she's his prisoner and she needs to like say no to him and because the demons need to think that he's finally being becoming corrupt right mm-hmm. this is the um against tree seed right mm-hmm. and he says something like this may be hard for you to understand and she goes it wouldn't be hard for anybody to understand you literally just spelled it out a few seconds ago mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just, that was a good moment too that I liked it was yes that was good too I that scene that you just mentioned uh, with the the tree scene with the demons boy was that hot mm-hmm. like oh my gosh so what I let's go ahead and talk about sex if we're gonna bring that up so this book has no penis and vagina penetration mm-hmm. and somehow it is still like the naughtiest smuttiest non-erotic book I've ever read like non-erotic fiction it's not that's not our that's not our genre here but it is so erotic I'm like oh my gosh I know I was blown away by it I was not expecting it because like I said before it's different from her other work uh-huh. so to come come out with this I was like whoa <gasps> I was so wetting like it got like flaming hot Cheetos hot in here. It was mm-hmm. so good. And this is what I, so part of what I love about this is she writes all of this, um, all of these sexy interactions without having actual penis and vagina penetration, which is spectacular because I feel like the, like when they're, when sex is featured in movies or TV shows or things like that, like that's what you see. It's penis and vagina penetration. And I, I'm sure that we've had this conversation several times before now, but my favorite scenes are the ones like this, where we have all of that pre-penetrative activity without actual penetration, because it is, I mean, especially in this book, it is so well-written. It's like a tease. It's like foreplay. Like it really builds things up. And our characters still achieve a climax, but we don't have that pressure of penis and vagina penetration, which for some people doesn't work. And so for me, with my profession and the things that I see, like, I love that because that takes a lot of pressure off people when you start normalizing that you can have interactions like this without having a penis go in a vagina or an anus or wherever. Like, I love that so much. And this... The scenes too were so, some of them 
well actually one of them was just like really I've never read a scene like this before where I'm talking about the one where she makes him climax just by touching like his scales and like yes. his back right yeah I don't that was somehow insanely hot it was right? so hot yeah it's near the end where he's like dry humping her bed basically uh-huh and it's yeah. so good yeah and it's kind of unique I don't I'm not off the top of my head can I remember another book that did this? and it's long too yeah. and it's that's something scene. else that I like about scenes like this where it's um almost like teasing so that's mm-hmm. what she's doing like she's stroking his back right where his wings used to be these scales that are on his back she's stroking him there so not actually even touching his penis and then she teases him by touching herself and I love that because I feel like when we do get those penetrative scenes they can be almost limiting you know I mean there's mm-hmm. only so many ways that you can describe a penis going in a vagina and that, I mean, that only lasts for a certain amount. I mean, that those, those descriptors are often sometimes a little bit like they're, they're kind of short too, but with scenes like this, like the, the foreplay is long and you can do a lot with it. And I love that. Yeah. So hats off to you, KF Breen. Like this was very good. I love that. I love the one um, where they're in the woods and he is, he's like fingering her up against a tree. Like that is great. And the dirty talk in that scene is outstanding too. And then they get interrupted. Right. And Mm -hmm. so he picks up later on and he asks her about the dream that she was having. So he interrupts and she, um, she's dreaming about him. Uh, And it's actually a demon that's manipulating her dreams, but he finds out about it. And so he asks her to tell him about her dream. And that scene is super hot too. I think there's some oral sex in that scene, but it's so, I mean, it's just, it's so good. The, the, uh, the way that they use words, the way that they talk to each other in this book is so spicy and I just love it. But with all of that in mind, I mean, their chemistry is just off the charts. It's, it's so, so good. And she has this, like the way that they describe these waves of arousal when she's near him, like she's got to be his mate. There's got to be some type of romantic connection there. She's, you know, (laughs) there's no way she's not, she has to be. So yeah. Uh, it 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 was just really good and not shameful that's something that Hadriel talks about when she first arrives at the castle he's like don't have sex with anyone we'll get you a vibrator the demons make these really nice ones we'll just get you that it's gonna be fine there will be no he calls it shame fucking (laughs) Uh yeah um this is not a shameful interaction here so Oh man, it was good. Uh, anyway, oh, you have this quote in here about I'd get it hard and get it deep. Oh yeah. So she is, um, it's also towards the end of the book, but so she's going down on him, which by the way, in this, like, it's a hot scene. He's, she's bathing him, which, you know, now that you say it, it doesn't sound that hot, but it was hot. Oh, I forgot about that scene. You're right. There was a lot of buildup in that scene too. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was good. Yeah. So she's um, on her knees and she's, um, she says, I'd get it hard and get it deep. And I'd get myself off on holding the power between my teeth. I don't know if it was supposed to rhyme or not, but I love that it does. (laughs) And I like that quote in general. Like, it's just, I, I just enjoy it. Yeah, that's a good one. I mm-hmm. forgot about that scene, but you're right. It was really hot. I don't, something about blowjob scenes. Right? They're no, very, just, yeah. Um, they're really good. This one was really good. Because there's a lot of buildup. She's like slowly washing him and he's getting more and more aroused. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and she teases him. Yeah. That's grand. Um, That's also, sorry. Um, that's also the scene where her animal, though, is like, we're doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's not, like, I like this, but we're doing something wrong. I don't think that's yeah. where it goes. Yeah. Man, I loved her scenes with her, her inner animal. Those interactions, they were so funny. They reminded me of Aria and her creature from uh, the the Chaos series by Amelia Hutchins. How they kind yes. of argue with each other. Yep, I had. Yep, I had. The, I got those vibes too. Yes. Yeah. So at certain points, she she's learning to control the balance with her her inner demon or not inner demon, her inner animal, and she learns to like let the animal take control in some of these situations. I feel like she was able to ease into it a little bit better than like we saw with Arya and her creature in the Chaos series. But their their conversations with each other were outstanding. They're ban like they banter. I can't imagine what it must be like to banter with someone inside of your head like that. But I, she asks what the creature's name is. Creature's yeah. name is like, it's Finley. <laughs> no, my name is Finley. What's your name? It's Finley. <laughs> We're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. This was so I, we've talked before about how much we don't like shifter novels and how um, in general they do not fit, fit our vibe. But this, I think, can be added to the short list of shifter novels that we enjoyed. Yeah, I really think it's probably just wolf shifters that are awful. Maybe yeah, I, it might be. I'm, I do. So do we think that Finley's going to be a wolf? I don't know. It's not true, but. At this point, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, so I've read a bear shifter book, which was adorable, right? It was like a play on the um, three bears, right? Um, Goldilocks. Yeah. Which was really cute. And then I read another dragon shifter book before this, and it was good. It's just wolves. It's just wolves, man. Think. Finley mentions at one point that she dated a guy who sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, You made this joke, but I'm going to say the quote because I also highlighted it in my book and it really resonated me. So she's talking about this guy that, that dumped her. Um, and she says, I guess he wanted me to kneel so he could stand taller. And I feel like. <laughs> Even just in real life, we see that. Um, I don't. I just feel like anytime a woman is better at something, and this is a generalization, I recognize that this is not always the case, but I feel like our gender is used to denigrate us a lot, um, or when we have a woman who is capable and strong and able her gender and her ability to do those things is somehow a threat and she's supposed to make herself be less to fit with the man in her life and it reminds me of this tiktok that i saw and it's this woman and it's just my, it's like my anthem right now, but it, it's this woman and she's singing, if I'm too much, go find less to the tune of Dolly Parton. Um, I will always love you. And it just resonates with me so strongly right now. I love that. Finley is able to recognize her worth and that she is worthy of someone who she doesn't have to lessen herself for, even if that means not being with anyone in her very limited town. Yes. Well, she mentioned she was kind of heartbroken. Yeah. When we broke up there, but really, she. I don't want to say she shouldn't be, you know, her feelings for him or her feelings for him, but she could do much better. 
she could. She is worthy of more. She deserves someone who sees her skills as an asset. Mm -hmm. And we hope that's Nefane. Yeah, and we hope that's Nefane. He's obviously envious of her or impressed by her ability to create this potion that helps people who are suffering from the illness and to create the uh, potion that wards against the incubus and succubus magic so he can recognize that she's at least somewhat amazing in her abilities hopefully he will be worthy of her one scene that kind of or just one interaction i guess it's not even a whole scene that stuck out to me was so she tells him that um i think it's birch trays like birchwood is actually um, making trays out of that is actually best for the everlast than whatever he was using mm -hmm. right and he said oh well my mother told me this and instead of getting defensive sort of being like well this is what my mother told me and this is what's always been passed down he just listens to what she says and accepts it yeah i love that mm -hmm. so much yeah He's open-minded and that's something that I like about him too. He makes a comment about, so he was really close with his mom, which I love, um, but he learned a lot from her and spent a lot of time with her and obviously valued her input. And she's the person who trained him to be able to work with the Everlast plants. And so he, he um, kind of already has this like baseline respect for women but he makes this comment let me see if I can find it he makes this comment about uh how yeah um about how cultivating life and health with women does not make a man weak if anything it made me stronger because it made me pliant it allowed me to see a different perspective and it made me tolerant in a way battle training never could have so and that's in response to his father perceiving him weak um, but really being able to work with women or and respecting his mom's um, education and the things that she shared with him made him stronger because it opened him up to different perspectives. So I don't think our girl is going to have to settle for less than what she's worth with Nefane. If they end up together, bump, bump, bump. Um, how long did it take you to figure out that Nefane was actually the prince? I mean, I think I knew it from the beginning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> when they had the reveal, when she was like, oh my God, you're the prince. I was like, was this not common knowledge? Yeah, I was not surprised at all, especially because she goes on about the prince. She talks about him at one point and I was like, oh, this guy's going to be the prince. Mm -hmm. I just thought that that that's what it was and it just hadn't been said for some reason yeah. like I didn't realize I don't know why on my first read I didn't realize that it was never like actually expressly said until that moment because I was just going right off the bat oh he's the prince never realizing that it's never actually said and I don't know why I took her so long to make that connection though yeah I don't either but she was very shocked by it yeah and then he hurts her feelings yeah. And then she mm -hmm. runs away. Mm -hmm. And then she almost gets unalived in the forest. And he jumps in front of her in his human form. And I, I, I was thinking the same thing that she was. So she, he gets, you know, he jumps in front of her and that beast monster thing like scratches him or bites him or something. And he's poisoned. And she's like, why did you jump in front of me as a human? You could have done it as a beast and it wouldn't have penetrated your scales. And he was like, yeah, but my beast is really big and I would have smushed you. It's like, oh my gosh. How thoughtful was this man that he was willing to jump in front of her and get himself killed? Yeah, and doom the entire her. kingdom. And doom everybody? I So speaking of that, I have some questions. So mm -hmm. he's poisoned and Finley, you know, uses her, I don't almost like a beta voice because she's not the alpha he is, but she commands him to go with her to her village so that she can take care of him. 
And she figures out that a different type of the, uh, the one of the other Everlast plants can be used with really super bad illnesses. And he's like, yep, you're right. I wasn't going to tell you. I wanted you to figure it out for yourself because I'm guarding these secrets. Like, do you think he might want to die a little bit? Oh, yeah, definitely. He definitely seems um, tired. And yeah. he says that at some point, too. He that he passed, mentioned like, it, too. Yeah, about the 16 years, nothing was like he didn't feel alive or whatever until she finally came to his life or something like that which is all sweet and how it's been a torment and all these other terrible things so part of me is wondering if he was kind of hoping that like she wouldn't figure it out so he could die yeah which is sad but then if he does die like everyone is screwed yep the demon king comes nefane gives them all a sleeping potion at the end oh yeah yep he so drugs he them all slip away into the night was that really necessary couldn't he have just he, left he thinks it was necessary clearly i don't really think it was necessary I mean, at but... least he didn't poison them oh, you know. like that that's <laughs> bare minimum at least he didn't kill them yeah there you go his his parting message to finley is like just just make an arrangement with the demon king to get your family free don't be noticeable don't let yourself be caged okay like don't why would you ever tell somebody to make a deal with a demon king though like that just sounds bad bad idea unless we're reading a demon romance book in which yeah. case, okay, but then that means the Demon King is going to become the love interest. And I don't think that's where this book is headed. Nope, I don't think you. I don't think so either. All right, let's talk about our quotes. Talk about our quotes. Okay. So I have Money Made Miracles. I actually don't remember exactly what this was referencing, but I highlighted this second time around. It actually kind of goes alongside with what happens in the next book more. Um, but, you know, people who have money are able to get better treatment um, than, you know, maybe people poor villages and stuff like that. And so, and I think that translates to real life as well. Um, so that was one of the quotes. And then the other quote that I picked, it's long, sorry, but so um, Finlay's sister says this about Nathane's mother. Uh, women don't die of broken hearts. That's just something people say to hide the neglect and mistreatment that women actually died of. You said that his mother thought of herself as a rosebush. Well, rosebushes don't give in to anybody. You can cut the hell out of them, think you killed them, and they grow a new shoot and come back from the dead. Rosebushes die from being stifled and cut off from the things that they love, like water and sunshine. I bet it's the dad's fault. The dad killed her to bring the son back and then trap him. And I love that. And I don't remember how old her sister is, but like, that's smart. Yeah, it is smart. That is I highlighted smart. that section too. Right? Yeah, I love yeah. that quote. Yeah. Very deep for a teen. Like, I mean, she's probably a teenager, preteen maybe. They're young. Yeah. 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 I love that quote too. Rose bushes are very resilient. Mm-hmm. We have some growing in our backyard that look half dead, but they keep putting out stuff. Obviously not now because it's November, but it's amazing they're still alive, but they just keep coming back. Yep. Uh, my favorite quote was said by Finley. She said, life is a battle. We cannot win. The question becomes, do we want to go down peacefully or fight until our last breath? I choose to fight. I like this quote. I feel like it really speaks to some of like the, just the base characteristics of Finley, which are that she's very brave and very resilient and she is a fighter. And if there's something to be done, even if it means that it will be detrimental to her, she will do it. All right. Final thoughts on this book, Marissa. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to reading the next one. What yes. are your final thoughts? I loved this. 
Gwen is having some final thoughts. Gwen is having some very passionate final thoughts on this book. (laughs) I'm excited to reread Throne of Ruin. Again, I read it like two weeks ago. (laughs) But And you're going to read it again next weekend. I am. And I'm not sad about it at all. So, yeah. All right. So that wraps up uh, Ruin of Roses by K.F. Breen. Next week, we'll talk about A Throne of Ruin by K.F. Breen. It's the second book in this series. And we'll continue our discussion about Nefane and Finley. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.